0: Shoes, what's the matter, Morty? Great Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Fashion has changed. Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni
1: and I'm Chelsea Fairless.
0: It's nice to see you, Chelsea.
1: I know I haven't seen you in a minute. It's good to be back because you've been in Florida again.
0: Well, it, to be fair, it was a 24-hour trip. It was actually, I spent more time on an airplane than I actually was in Florida. I picked up my grandmother.
1: You, like, physically <laughs> lifted
0: her up. <laughs> and I threw across the room, and I was like, get out of here, Grammy. No, we took her to Los Angeles, where she currently resides. So most of my stories just involve my grandmother.
1: Cute. Is she going to get a full Los Angeles makeover? Like, is she getting a spray tan? Is she getting a BBL? Like, what's happening?
0: Well, as you know, my family has Sicilian roots, so we have quite ample bottoms. (laughs) I was on Melrose Place yesterday, and a construction worker whistled at me. Oh, that's
1: cute. What a throwback. How 90s. Actually, I don't think that's cute. I think street harassment is
0: toxic. (laughs) Fuck the patriarchy although i was like what if he wasn't whistling at me <laughs> or what if he was trying to signal that I was about to be hit by a car and i was like oh yeah my butt does look good in these pants
1: well i know that you were in melrose yesterday because you just <laughs> disclosed to me you're drinking what are you drinking uh, some sort of alfred beverage
0: Alfred's has a tea room I guess I was going to the frame denim store but they weren't open until 11 god damn it and so I went to Alfred's tea house and I got a milk tea you got it yesterday you put it in your fridge and you just
1: disclosed that you are drinking a day old beverage that is fucking disgusting you're probably gonna like shit your pants during this podcast
0: (laughs) I almost did yesterday (laughs) wait what I had to. Vac- oh, shit's getting real. <laughs> Did you wait? Oh. I had to vacate Melrose Place because I was like, "Oh, it's happening," and I was driving home, and just like I was like a minute from my house, and I was like, "It's happening," and I, because
1: just- <laughs> you know when you get like close to your house, your body just like goes into crisis
0: mode i can't believe i'm saying this on the podcast it's um, fine you
1: could always cut it out if you're embarrassed later
0: but i didn't shit my pants that's
1: great <laughs> <laughs> love but, a lot of silver lining to this story but i
0: am drinking a day-old milk tea earl gray that might have been responsible for that so we'll see oh i love that for you Anyway, what have you been up to? I
1: also took a 24-hour trip. I went back to Vegas again because my mother-in-law is
0: visiting and we went back to Katie's show. Because that's what one does with mother-in-laws. You take them to Vegas. (laughs) Yeah, it was cute. Have you come across a Sex and the City slot machine?
1: No, because I've only been in fucking Resorts (sighs) World, which is the hotel complex casino that Katie's show is in.
0: But while you were there, I sent you, because it came up on my TikTok, that for some reason, Kylie Jenner's Birkin is in Resorts World. Okay, it is, but I
1: didn't actually notice it because the Birkin is located in this hallway that I think connects two of the hotels or one of the hotels to the casino or some shit. And across from the Birkin is Liberace's piano, which (laughs) let's face it, like pulls a lot more focus. Like you can't even see the Birkin.
0: I think that's a generational shift. Yeah, well, it's also
1: an ugly Birkin. You've seen it.
0: Yeah, it. it's, I wouldn't say it's tie-dyed. It's It's something. It's def- There's something wrong with it. It's definitely a Birkin that Kylie Jenner was willing to part with. <laughs> yeah, it was bringing the rest of her collection down. And yet they didn't want to sell it on Kardashian Closet just yet. <laughs> yeah. This is the purgatory for their accessories. Oh, but I forgot to tell you, Lauren,
1: I played roulette for the first time Uh because I'm I'm normally like a slot machine girl because I don't like anything that involves like skill or strategy. I like a low buy in. I like to just sit there and press the button
0: as opposed to the high skill set of roulette.
1: (laughs) Well, that's true. (laughs) But at least there's a higher buy in. But, you know, Lauren, I fucking won, bitch. I won twice. And you know what numbers I won on? My birthday? They were Taylor Swift numbers. Can you guess what they are? Does she have an album named 12? No. 17? This isn't fucking Adele.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What are the numbers associated with Taylor Swift?
1: Okay, 22. Have you heard that iconic song? Oh, yeah, yeah, 22 won. And 15, another iconic Taylor Swift
0: song. I also won. I have to go to Vegas to finally see Katy Perry as well. Oh, God,
1: I'm going to see it a third time. It was cool, though, because this time I was sitting next to Shania Twain, who was wearing like a wide brimmed, like brown hat. Like it looked very like Ralph Lauren, Indiana Jones sort of vibe. But yeah, that was cute. I guess she has a Vegas residency coming up. So maybe she was scoping out the competition.
0: That must be so cool to live in Vegas and just be like on a Wednesday night. What do you want to do? Let's go see Perry. I really wonder what the reality
1: of living in Vegas is like and what that city is like from a resident's perspective. Because you basically get to see everyone from every other city at their lowest point all the time. Right. And I wonder what that does to you or if you're just kind of immune to it.
0: Well, you know why Vegas doesn't have balconies or windows that can open.
1: For the same reason that Parsons doesn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's so fucked. Like the windows at Parsons open like five inches. Like you can get like an arm out, basically. Anyway, we have some calls. Ooh, uh, we got a couple good ones this week. Let's start with this one.
0: Hey, Chelsea and Lauren. My name is Luke. I've become a fan of the show by eavesdropping on my wife while she gets ready for work in the morning.
1: I really have loved your show. I really
0: loved your Scream episode and love to see more dedicated episodes to new movies coming out. Speaking of suggestions, I think for the Patreon, you guys should do an every-outfit episode on Elaine Bennis' incredible fashion throughout the run of my favorite show, Seinfeld. Thanks for all the great work. Bye. Go off, Luke. How did you get, if you're listening from your wife's podcast, how did you get our hotline number? Did you like take her phone, look at the episode notes and go, okay?
1: Luke has become a real fan. It's really a shame that Luke is taken because I think he seems like a, the kind of guy that our, our single female listeners should be dating.
0: What about me? Aren't I the number one single listener
1: here at the Every Outfit World? You are. Luke, if it doesn't work out with your wife,
0: Lauren is, is ready and willing. And I will talk about whatever film you want at nauseum. Because to be fair, we started this podcast because... Our loved ones were so fucking tired of having to hear us talk about pop culture.
1: Yeah. And yes, we will be doing more dedicated episodes to films on the Patreon for sure. We will definitely consider an Elaine fashion retrospective. Talk about someone that's gotten a fucking glow up
0: elaine Bettis or julia louis dreyfus julia
1: louis dreyfus i mean elaine kind of did too throughout the course of the show early season elaine is is not the same as final season elaine
0: no it's a lot of like things one's art teacher would wear those early season smock dresses and
1: (sighs) yeah it was a lot of sacky denim it was a lot of barrettes all right on to the next
0: Greetings, ladies, all the way from Bangkok. I saw you were doing an episode on the famous newspaper dress. If you go to First Dibs, the Sex in the City 2 dress they used in the movie is for sale.
1: It can be yours for $245,000. So I'll race you to it. So I've pulled up First Dibs, and this caller is correct. You can buy... <laughs> The Sex in the City 2, not the Sex in the City, but the Sex in the City 2 dress for $245,000. What is this person smoking? I think it's worth it for the one on Sex in the City, but I think Sex in the City 2, that's like an $80,000 dress.
0: Did Sarah Jessica Parker wear this herself? Is that why it's a quarter of a million
1: dollars? No, but they had to find a different one. I think she wore a sample on the original show. It wasn't a piece that they had in the archive. It was something that they had to source when they made the second film. But also, I was disturbed to discover that there are other newsprint things on First Dibs. There's like a cropped denim jacket that is $38,000. What the fuck? And there is a fedora that is $42,000.
0: This is like buying a $100 million Basquiat painting or like a $100 million house. It's like, how much more is this thing going to appreciate if you're buying it at this price?
1: Yeah, it's true. And also, it really is so insane that Dior, in its current incarnation, has not brought any of this stuff back or not reworked the newspaper print, because obviously having John Galliano's face on it would be awkward at this point, but it just seems crazy to me that the vintage market for this shit is so crazy, and it's not something that they have reinterrogated as a brand. Well, we'll get
0: into the Dior collection a little (laughs) later. Yeah. Shall we all go in on this dress? (laughs) Time, share this dress. Like the Hamptons episode where Samantha's talking about how her assistant... Is it a timeshare with like 12 other chicks in like a two bedroom? Is this us with the Dior newsprint dress? Yeah, we we can start a GoFundMe. Oh, that's a good
1: look. (laughs) That's a good look for us at this particular time. (laughs) Speaking of which, we debated whether or not we would talk about Ukraine in this episode, which is obviously unspeakably tragic because
0: as two semi-vapid bitches, do we
1: really have anything to add to this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it's useful when the person speaking has something constructive to add to the conversation. I mean, that's why we post about Jose Andreas's nonprofit World Central Kitchen, which is at the borders in Ukraine. They're also in Ukraine trying to feed people. Like, I think it's amazingly powerful when someone can take their passion and make it a humanitarian effort. But unless people... But we're
1: not those people, necessarily. Not yet.
0: Or unless people want to hear about pop culture takes as they're fleeing their country, I don't know how helpful you and I could necessarily be.
1: Yeah, well, we do have Ukrainian listeners and... I want to send love to you guys. I can't imagine experiencing war or being displaced from my country. And I also want to send love to our Russian listeners who are not Putin loyalists, I'm guessing, who also have to suffer under this terrible dictator.
0: At the end of the day, obviously, there's more that everyone can do. But I think at this point... (laughs) what we can do in this situation that is the most good and most productive is just taking people's minds the fuck off of this.
1: Yeah. I do think it's really bizarre that there is this climate online where there's a sense that everyone has to weigh in on everything.
0: I mean, I do understand wanting to know that your favorite people on the internet are aware of a situation and aren't on the wrong side of it, but... Yeah, I mean, posting a graphic or something does at this point feel a little performative. Yeah,
1: completely. Also, if you don't know about what's happening in Ukraine, I don't want you to hear about it from us. How terrible.
0: But also from everything that I'm watching, everything that I'm seeing, no one knows exactly what's going on or where this is heading, which is even more terrifying. Yeah. Which is why I just want to, like, recede into dumb pop culture bullshit. Yeah. I do think distractions are important at
1: times like these. And I rely on other podcasters and, and content creators in this
0: way. Yeah, this is the realm of Michael Barbaro. <laughs> you know, I need his soothing mm-hmms. <laughs> while someone's talking about a horrifying situation. <laughs>
1: to just guide me into the apocalypse. Yes.
0: So we're heading into World War III. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think what we could be helpful at is just talking about what is going on inside of Russia from the fashion standpoint, which is a bunch of luxury stores like LVMH, Keurig, Hermes, have closed their Russian stores. It should be noted that this decision right now is just temporary. (laughs) They're not permanently closing the stores. Right. And pretty much every consumer brand from Apple to McDonald's is ceasing operations in Russia, with some brands like Nike, Farfetch, and eBay stopping all shipments heading to Russia. As if things aren't bad enough, that fucking Tom Ford-era Jackie bag you just (laughs) want on eBay, you can't get. (laughs) Yeah, Farfetch's
1: shipping already takes like five years anyway, so you probably won't even notice the difference if you've placed an order recently.
0: Yeah, and these aren't simply performative moves. There are economic consequences. Adidas said that it is expected to halt its business in Russia and they could potentially lose $273 million.
1: Question. Sure. Are the people that work in these stores still employed? Like, are the Chanel
0: employees still being paid? Yeah, I don't think this is like the first few months of the pandemic going on. However, there is one brand that was like, nah, we're good here in Russia, and that's Uniqlo, who will be keeping all 50 of their Russian stores in operation. Wow. Well, what's Uniqlo's parent company, though? That seems weird. Yeah, Tadashi and I, president of Uniqlo's parent company, Fast Retailing, said in an email, clothing is a necessity of life. The people of Russia have the same right to live as we do.
1: It is true that no person should be
0: deprived of heat tech if they should need it. (laughs) Especially in Russia. Yeah, Totally. Is it the right thing to do to close stores? I mean, you're hurting the sales staff by literally taking their livelihoods away. But I don't know, with the ruble being worth less than a penny, would this have been inevitable? Store, store closures. Yeah. However, I do think that those in Russia who can buy Hermes Birkin bags also have homes in London, Paris, and New York, and will be buying them there. Yeah.
1: No, it's true. Closing Hermes doesn't really seem like that
0: consequential, ultimately, in all of this. I mean, I am truly a vapid and deranged person because my second thought after hearing this was like, so are they just going to divert the Kellys and Birkins to other stores? (laughs) That is psychotically
1: deranged thinking. To bring it back to the war in Ukraine, was that a great transition or what? Oh, goody. Another fashion-related aspect of this is that there has been debate online this week around Fashion Week. Should fashion shows happen during wartime? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't really see people debating whether TV and movie production should continue because of this conflict. Yeah. I don't know why it's specifically about Fashion Week other than the timing. Like, this wouldn't be a comment if Fashion Week happened a week before or a week afterwards. Well, speaking of
1: timing there's always wars going on at any given time but I think that one thing that people should really consider is not only is fashion an art form but it is an industry that employs tens of millions of people throughout the world so it is important whether or not you think it's frivolous like I get it no one needs a Scaparelli gown for warmth but at the same time I think people are very quick to shit on fashion All the time. And I think that, I mean, I've always thought that that's in part because it is one profession that is dominated by women and gay men. Wow. It's true. Yes, there are straight male fashion designers. Shout
0: out to Ralph Lauren. So what you're saying is that fashion doesn't get any respect? This is your Rodney Dangerfield (laughs) point. (laughs) It doesn't. But anyway, I'm over
1: this conversation. What's something less depressing that we can talk about? The Batman
0: sure i awoke on sunday morning to a text message from chelsea that said you saw batman without me which is true i did go on saturday morning alone at 11 a.m those amc stubs emails go to our
1: (laughs) go to our business
0: email yeah that's the problem of being best friends with also your business partner is sometimes emails narc you out so yes, I'm sorry, Chelsea. I saw the Batman without you. It's fine. Tat went with me. I guess. What did you think, Chelsea? Since you hate this comic book shit?
1: I don't hate this comic book shit. In fact, Batman is the only non-Archie comic book franchise that I actively care about. I've seen all of those movies.
0: Wait, I think we need to go back to the fact that the other comic book franchise you appreciate is Archie? Archie and the extended universe of
1: like Josie and the Pussycats and that kind of shit. But you don't watch Riverdale. I have watched Riverdale, but I, I need to get back into it. Right. I enjoy it. I do. Anyway, the Batman. The Batman is too wet. <laughs> okay, that's that. Not... But... Everyone is fucking soaking wet. I get that Gotham City is the most depressing place in the world, but Jesus fucking Christ. Also, Batman is a total fucking downer. He's clinically depressed. <laughs> he has Kurt Cobain vibes. He's not a fabulous playboy. He's like an anemic recluse that has servants. It's not sexy.
0: Well, okay. I will say what I appreciated about this version of Bruce Wayne is it's more in line with the Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne, which is like, yeah, if this guy is dressing up as a bat and beating up low-level criminals, he's going to be a fucking weirdo. Like, I love a weirdo Batman. I think what they're going to set up, because, yeah, if he is this much of a recluse, it continues to be Batman, it becomes fairly obvious of, like, hmm, who do we think Batman is? The whole point is no one believes that Bruce Wayne could ever be Batman because he's this, like, idiot playboy. So I would imagine in the next film, he realizes he's going to have to develop that persona. Although... How do you go from uh, emo boy to, I don't know, sigma male?
1: I have no idea, but I also really just want to see the scenes where Batman puts on his eye makeup. (laughs) When does that happen? Also, I love that we got to see him when he takes the mask off and his eye makeup is all fucked up and he looks like a Yoji Yamamoto model or
0: something. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that has been a glaring oversight in most of the Batman films, specifically in Batman Returns when Michael Keaton's Batman rips off the mask to reveal himself to Catwoman. And you can see that in the frame before, he has black eyes, and then when they go to do the scene, he doesn't have the eye makeup.
1: (laughs) Speaking of Catwoman, I did love Zoe Kravitz. The best. She loves a sassy wig, (laughs) She rocks it. Except I'm sorry, but this mask was not giving what it needed to
0: give. In the last two interpretations of Batman by Christopher Nolan and now Matt Reeves, because everything has to be so grounded, they have to go out of their way to explain how she can have like cat ears and cat masks. It should be noted she's not officially Catwoman. So this is a sort of pre-Catwoman proto costume.
1: Oh, so she just hasn't made the cat mask yet.
0: Well, but also again, it's like in this grounded reality, what is that going to look like? She can wear a costume. It's fine.
1: Yeah. We don't need to explain everything. I think it especially made me sad after that recent Richard Quinn show where it was like I all of those fabulous latex Catwoman masks.
0: I know, I know. Like, I grew up with the Batman animated series and shame. I watched that religiously. Yeah. So I hope that they go for like almost a dark gray neoprene kind of bodysuit. Yeah. By the way, none of this makes sense. Like that's the other amazing thing with these grounded takes is like having to explain everything. Like the Riddler costume where it's like, "Eh, it's at an army supply store. It's like, (laughs) can he not be in a well-tailored suit with a question
1: mark on it? No, because they made the Riddler an incel, which when you think about it does make sense.
0: Yeah, I explained the film to you after I saw it. I said, it's essentially the film seven with the pacing of David Fincher's Zodiac. Do you think that was a fair assessment? I think that was a
1: fair assessment. I was constantly reminded of Seven throughout the show. Seven, which is also a very wet movie, might I say. (laughs) As well, yeah. Very wet. But... I think it backfired because the wetness or the sevenness or both the sevenness, because it's like, I'm constantly being reminded of a better movie, a more original movie, a more inventive serial killer. Cause that's the thing. If you're going to reference seven, the deaths in theory should be fucked up. And the only one that was as fucked up as seven was the rat one, which shout out to that amazing rat actor. (laughs) That should get the, uh, the other best animal actor nomination alongside the, the pig from Pig.
0: I think the answer to your question is the fact that this film is PG-13 and seven is R. And another problem that a lot of these superhero films have, especially Batman, is you can't show blood in a PG-13 film, which is why, I guess, if you're listening this far, slight spoilers for the Batman, when he beats the shit out of that guy at the end, because he touched his woman, Catwoman. Right after he injects himself with adrenaline, although it's green, so a lot of people are like, "Is that Bane's venom?" I don't know what the fuck yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> not, not for you to understand, but you know, probably Luke, who's listening to this in the other room as <laughs> his wife is listening <laughs> to our podcast, is like, "Yeah, Bane's venom. That's what I thought <laughs> it was too." But when they reveal the guy that Batman's beating the shit out of, then even Catwoman's like, "Whoa! Like, what the fuck? This is a little much." He has no blood. He's just like a little like purple.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Which is like he broke that guy's skull. (laughs) One thing I did not like was I don't think that Catwoman and Batman need to have sexual tension. Like this is not a couple that makes sense. Again, Batman is like sad and anemic and
0: Catwoman is super fierce. Even though in the comics they fuck and are in in one comic they are married and have a child.
1: I don't like it. Also, I saw all this discourse online about like Catwoman is queer baiting and Catwoman is not the bisexual representation (laughs) that we deserve. And it's like, I'm sorry, but in this instance, like, let's take what we can get. For sure. Maybe Catwoman doesn't like labels. Stop trying to put Catwoman in a box.
0: Well, this is also because I think in canon in the comic book, she's bisexual and also Zoe Kravitz was like, yeah, that's how I kind of played her, which I didn't understand until they introduced that uh, Anna chick. And I was like, oh, okay, that's what they meant by this. I'm fine with the sexual tension. It's more the fact that she randomly kisses him twice and it's like, why? Also, the fact that she's a cat hoarder is not hot. (laughs) Animal
1: hoarding is not hot, honey. (laughs) Then when she speeds away near the end, spoiler alert, to do some gay shit and like move upstate with her cats, with her
0: one cat, where'd all the other cats go? Chell, the city was flooded. That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Yeah, that's when things got really wet. My other nitpick is when it was revealed that the runtime was three hours, I was like, great, give me four hours of this film. And I will say mm, the film could have been two and a half hours because I don't know if every reveal needed two reversals.
1: Right. There was an hour in the middle that did not need to be there for sure. And ultimately, I found myself being not really invested with just... I don't know, the corruption, the mafia, basically the central crime that inspired the Riddler to enact revenge, right?
0: Didn't care about any of that at all. That's fine. You you either buy into that or you don't buy into that. Yeah. How have we not talked about Colin Farrell? I I told Chelsea, I was like, just so you understand, Colin Farrell's in prosthetics and you won't be able to recognize him. He is the Penguin. When I did see the the film, I did forget about that
1: again. And I had to Google in the theater, like, (laughs) who plays the Penguin?
0: You're like, this guy's good.
1: Yeah. Again, I hate this. This is taking a perfectly good role away from a perfectly good character actor. Do you think Paul Giamatti was like, God damn it! Yeah, it fucking sucks and it only serves makeup artists, right? Like this is only a real achievement for special effects makeup and shit. Wow. Again, if I was in charge of the Oscars, which no one will let me be because I nominate the rat, (laughs) I would definitely have... Jared Leto in character and Colin Farrell in character, in makeup, presenting the best makeup
0: Oscar. With their fake bellies? Yes. And they bump their bellies? Yeah. Wouldn't that be great?
1: That would be amazing. But they won't let us have fun. And then they can bring in character actors to throw eggs at them.
0: Yeah, I think I was so in for the Nolan films that I assumed like I was gonna fall in love with this film, and it's like it's good, it's fine, it's fine. I'm kind of indifferent about it, honestly. I liked Joker better. Yeah, (laughs) because that film was rated R, and what I hope they do, and we've spoken about previously, this film uh, coming out, especially with HBO Max, and they're now gonna do a Penguin series that's darker on HBO Max, which I'm into, like. Give us a rated R Catwoman film and just like throw it on HBO Max. Yeah. Where she can have lesbian sex. For sure. And cuck Batman.
1: (laughs) Great. Yeah, she already has the outfit for all of that, you know? And I mean, let's be honest, Bruce
0: seems like a little sub boy.
1: (laughs) He does. He's like to Alfred, like punish me, daddy.
0: (laughs) I mean, not no.
1: True. (sighs) Moving on. Fashion month? So much fashion. Somehow, two weeks ago, we were like, there's nothing to talk about. Well, two weeks ago, it was just New York, and we were starting to get into Milan, but I don't even really think we talked about Milan, so we can talk about it now. Uh, Where do you want to start with? Let's start with Bottega. This was definitely the most anticipated show of the season because it was Michu Blasi's first collection for the brand following the departure, or let's be real, the potential firing of Daniel Lee did it live up to the hype
0: you think so no i'm asking you a question oh, did you it? dumb bitch <laughs> sorry i uh, see i would have immediately been murdered by the riddler
1: <laughs> i'd be like what okay also like what the fuck so batman basically answered all of the questions for that guy
0: peter Skarsgård. you mean yeah uh, he did. Also, yeah, I mean, there's so many... Oh, God, are we back? No, 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 no,
1: let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about it. Let's move on.
0: Yeah, no, it's very clear that the years that Mathieu Blazy was working under Daniel Lee... He... Are you always going to pronounce it like that? And <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I don't want people to come for me, so I'm going to say Mathieu Blazy. that he was basically like, fuck your green. You know what it's about? Jeans and white tees and leather. That's Bottega, <laughs> baby.
1: Yeah, I think it definitely retained the coolness of the Daniel Lee era, but it did feel more aligned with the look of what Bottega Veneta was before Daniel Lee came along, for sure. I have to say, when I saw the first look, which was a wife beater and a pair of jeans, I was like, oh God, fuck this. But then when I realized it was leather, I was like, that is impressive. I mean, that's amazing from a technical construction standpoint.
0: Yeah, I think that was the perfect first look. I think it spoke to the rest of the collection, which was, you know, I love the minimalist dresses with that Bottega weaving, you know, thigh-high boots.
1: Yeah, the boots were great. The accessories were great. I don't think they're going to have any problem selling those. I want that suit
0: with the fuzzy red shoes. Is that not me? It's very you.
1: I loved the... Mathieu? (laughs) (laughs) Mathieu, are you listening? (laughs) Mathieu is for me? As you can imagine, I loved that sequin column dress that had a very Flintstones-y, Steven Sprouse-y type animal print. That was really fab. Right. But I think ultimately, he offered up a lot of different
0: kinds of looks, which I appreciate. I hate a show that's one look. Do you know what he also didn't offer up? Any fucking green, which I saw all throughout the collections. Like, they had that Bottega green in the Armani collection. I was like, what are you doing? That green is everywhere. I hate it. I don't hate it. I think it's a great shade personally, but we, we have seen a lot of it. Uh, Gucci. I don't have many thoughts on it. I thought it was fine. I think, you know, Alessandro Michele is, is keeping on with his michele yeah, I don't know if anyone
1: else is experiencing this. Clearly you are. But I think we've just ingested so much Gucci content within the last six or seven years or how long, however long it's been since he was appointed as the creative director. And I'm starting to OD on it. Like, he's a brilliant designer, but I feel like this brand is very overexposed and I'm just not vibing with it as much
0: and I feel in general that there is a turn and maybe I'm speaking personally I know you feel this way too I just want more like really beautifully constructed minimalist clothing and I think that Tom Ford did this really well in the late 90s and early 2000s and I'm just like you can only handle so much maximalism well
1: yeah this is not a minimalist brand, I think a strength of Alessandro McKellie is that he can make so many different types of clothing and he's riffing on so many different eras and does so many things. I think the strongest looks in this collection was some of the Adidas stuff which I think was incredibly strong because it was you're married to an Australian Adidas Adidas (laughs) because it was unexpected like those corsets were amazing that cream colored Victorian gown with the Adidas stripes was fucking major but that was a very different vibe from the more how shall I say Wes Anderson-y look that we have come to associate with Gucci and I think that that's what I was not vibing with I mean you know how I feel about berets I know which is very upsetting because I love a beret and I think I look fetching in one see I hate a beret and like you know that Andre Leontali quote about there being a famine of beauty like I feel like (laughs) in this collection there was a famine of looks that did not involve berets and that was upsetting to me
0: you wanted more berets then no I wanted less berets you want a famine of berets I want a famine of berets (laughs) you want some bareheaded bitches in this Gucci show (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah, but you know what? That last look, that like black Adidas bride look, cunty as fuck, incredible. I think among the strongest looks of the season. So I don't want to hate too much. Anyway, Moschino. You mean 2001, a Jeremy Scott odyssey? (laughs) Yeah, maybe the coolest non-Balenciaga set of the season.
0: Right, which was made to look like the scene in 2001, A Space Odyssey, the bedroom scene. Which, a
1: reference I love. Look, it was not my favorite Moschino collection, but I think there were some fierce looks. I liked the dress that looked like an armoire, and I feel like a lot of people really love to hate on Jeremy Scott, despite the fact that his work has been so influential, and in many instances ahead of its time. I feel like we have to respect Daddy.
0: He's definitely giving us shows that are fun to look at. And he's definitely thinking about not only the collection itself, but how it will be presented through very specific references. And the fact that he came out in a 2001 Space Odyssey <laughs> spacesuit was incredible.
1: And also, the uh, model, Stella yes. Maxwell was like cradling some sort of baby astronaut. That was pretty fab. But I do find the prevailing internet argument that he was copying Beauty and the Beast to be very simplistic. I think it's more likely that he saw this show that's at the Met right now that I recently saw, which was about the relationship between the films of Walt Disney and the French decorative arts. It's really amazing and everyone in New York should see it. So they basically take like, all of this 18th century Rococo furniture and stuff and then juxtapose it with like concept art and shit like that. So yeah, Disney is obviously part of this collection, but it's part of a broader lineage. And I think that so often that gets lost in these debates online about appropriation and copying and shit because people's references just don't go that far back.
0: Yeah, you're saying there's a, lo- a lack of context in our world
1: right now? <laughs> There is. And a lot of times when people say, oh, this designer copied that designer, I'm like that designer that you believe to be the originator copied another designer. But people are just so chomping at the bit to narc and like call people out, I think, even though they have no real sense of like the true historical context of something.
0: Well, that's the diet productization of internet culture. Yeah. Um I will say I did not care for the guilt without guilt. <laughs> No, no one, need, no one did need that. It also reminded me of Guilt Group. Is that what it was called? Guilt.com. No, it still yeah. exists. Kathy, my mother is an uh, ardent uh, Guilt.com shopper. Do they still have the same sample sale model where
1: it's like you yeah. have to show up for a drop like no. Supreme or something?
0: No, I think you can just kind of go there. I think maybe they, they dropped that. But, you know, Guilt without Guilt is a real daddy MPK pun. <laughs> Look for that in season two of In Just Like That and then yeah the made in italy like french made look i also did not care for great halloween costume though yeah saint laurent i was very anti anthony vaccarello's vision of saint laurent at first but now i'm all in
1: until now i know <laughs> incredible what a fucking glow up this is what a fashion show at paris fashion week should look like which is in front of the Eiffel Tower? Well, which is just like perfect and cunty and glamorous and French. And aligned with the history of the brand. Because while I love Saint Laurent's accessories, I never really like the ready-to-wear that much.
0: I especially love those ruche dresses with the rosettes that I felt was more Vaccarello's interpretation of Tom Ford's first YSL collection that had very similar dresses.
1: Yeah, I loved the fake furs. I'm so thrilled that we're getting so much innovation when it comes to faux fur, both from just like a technical standpoint of like the fur itself and from a design standpoint. It's really cool to see. And I also loved that there were... Dike models in this show and you know <laughs> omira in the in the Le smoking tuxedo and older models and yeah it was cool there was definitely some stylistic overlap with the laquan smith show that we also really liked yeah from new york
0: i also feel throughout a lot of the paris collections this and the row collection was a lot of 1980s kind of silhouettes or references in layering that wasn't annoying. Because I feel like a lot of times in the past when the 80s have been referenced, I hate the silhouettes presented.
1: Yeah, the silhouettes were great and very much a departure from what they usually do you can actually imagine these clothes on women of all ages which is cool because normally saint laurent shows turn me into Bette midler in the first wives club where she's like who are these clothes for some anorexic teenager some fetus like that is that is how i usually receive these clothes but this This wasn't like that, but I will say I was very surprised when they recently named Barbie Ferreira as their new beauty ambassador because Saint Laurent clothes only go up to a size 10. So you're telling me that this woman is pretty enough to wear your makeup, but like can't actually buy anything in the store aside from a handbag. It seems like there's a disjunct there that should really be addressed. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. Yeah. What do we want to go to next? Maybe Dior?
0: (laughs) Particularly this season, I've been reading all of the Vogue reviews for the fashion shows, and I'm astonished at how much they go out of their way to not discuss how ugly this fucking collection is. And I understand they can, but they go out of their way to <laughs> never mention that there are women in fucking football shoulder pads, which I enjoyed way more when Alexander McQueen did this. <laughs> yeah,
1: I also can't help but think of Nicolas geskier's more sporty offerings when I see this. I think the most arresting thing about this collection is that it does not feel aligned with fashion in 2022 at all. It feels a decade behind the times, and I don't understand who wants to dress like this? Because if you did want to dress sporty, I would think you would buy Louis Vuitton or you'd buy Sakai or something. Like, this feels like it's trying too hard to make a statement, but it doesn't
0: really know what the statement is. When you said poor, I thought you were going to say these poor ambassadors. Like, I just kept thinking about, like, poor Natalie Portman, who's going to have to pick outfits from this collection for the Thor Love and Thunder press tour. <laughs> um, Can I get that, but without the, the football pads, maybe? <laughs> yeah. Also, it seems like it was
1: trying really, really hard to modernize the iconic Dior new look jacket, but I don't think that it actually succeeded in doing so. Because it's just giving new look jacket. It's not an evolution of it at all. Yeah, it makes you wonder what Demna would do with that silhouette. I'm sure it would be fierce. He kind
0: of has gotten into that a little bit in the past. Anyway. Now that's interesting. Louave? Sure. Okay, so this is the other. I wrote down the first lines of the Vogue review.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Because they're trying so hard to make it relevant to the Ukraine news coverage. And obviously with the Loueve collection, it's like, how can you do that? And this is how they do it. In times when reality becomes outrageous and nonsensical, it's only logical that fashion should start to reflect illogic see A logic That's not even a word. Wait. They're trying to say illogical. (laughs) They don't use the word illogical. They say illogic T. Just let it be a fucking cool surrealist collection. We don't need to connect this to Ukraine. (laughs) No, we don't. This was a very unexpected collection from Jonathan
1: Anderson, who's one of my favorite designers. He's your boy. He is. He may, might be my favorite accessory designer, but I think this was so surprising because it was much more Instagram friendly than most of his collections, which is not to say that I think that he designed it for Instagram, which is an epidemic happening amongst fashion designers in this day and age. But I saw this show get a lot more traction online than a typical Lueve show, but that's also because it's good. I really loved it. Are you going to dress in a blue knot titty dress? <laughs> I liked the one that had like a photo, like a digi print of a woman's body. I thought that was really gorgeous. And I loved the dresses that had the molded plastic lip-shaped corsets that kind of reminded me of that famous Izzy Miyake molded plastic corset, but... That was
0: really beautiful. I hope that someone wears one of those to the Met Gala. Well, I was thinking I could only imagine Molly Rogers sitting at home looking at that collection being like, God damn it, that needs to be on Carrie. Like that is such a Carrie look. That's how Samantha should actually come back. Can you imagine? Honey. Yeah, it was really
1: cool. And I loved the J.W. Anderson collection as well, which didn't have a fashion show. It had a look book shot by Jurgen Teller starring our girl, Hari Neff. Rabbi Jen. We need the entire Carrie collection. Someone get this to us. It's so good because a large part of this collection was devoted to the film Carrie, which we're obviously obsessed with. And I need all of that shit. I don't know if I need the bag more or the button-down shirt that has the
0: visual of Carrie like before pre-Pig's Blood. Now, do you think it's too much if you wear those two things together? I'd wear head to toe. All right, what do you want to discuss next? The row. So they showed a resort collection because they already showed fall in a lookbook. It's the first time they've done a runway show in two years. They say to come to Paris. I love, I love that they did no interviews. There was no press release. They were like, just here's the collection. The clothes do speak for themselves. As an American, I will say, I do love to
1: see an American go to Paris and fucking kill it. And that's what our girls did with this show.
0: Yeah, as I said before with the Saint Laurent show, this was the other show I saw kind of cool 80s influences it felt a lot like you know the japanese designers like yohi yamamoto who showed in paris in the 80s like that kind of drapey oversized yet fitting kind of coats
1: yeah he also had a very beautiful collection this season but with the rose show there was also an element of surrealism here because the sleeves were so long that it made the model's arms look like spaghetti noodles kind of but Ultimately, everything was very grounded and and wearable. I also loved the really exaggerated 70s collars and the shocking inclusion of pillbox hats, which who saw that coming? Because that's the sort of thing that you rarely see outside of a kitschy context. Like that's a very Jeremy Scott type thing.
0: Yeah, that's usually done in a satirical fashion. Yeah,
1: so I think it was fun to see the pillbox hat like this. Anyway, Valentino. I mean, if this isn't us as a collection, I don't know what is. Half pink, half black. Yeah, there's something for both of us. What a time to have an all pink collection. I don't know if it's the best time or the worst time. The shade of pink was insane, though. It was developed with Pantone specifically for this collection, and it was beautiful, although I feel like it did kind of burn your corneas at a certain point. Is that what your eyes are
0: called? Uh, Retinas? Yeah.
1: Whatever. Whatever.
0: Your eyes. Yeah, I just, I love simple, beautifully constructed clothing. Really, really beautiful. I
1: I loved seeing Penelope Tree model in this show, one of the all-time greats. That finale look that Kristen McMenemy wore with the hot pink cat eye was, I think, one of the best, finale looks of the of the season
0: yeah i mean i hope zendaya or someone has the balls to wear that hot pink cape i'm sure she will
1: i'm sure la roach has already called the entire collection in
0: well i mean she was at the show in that hot pink color so i wonder what people are going to do for oscar
1: looks though because only one person can wear this color Someone will get a black one, someone will get a pink one, and then I guess maybe someone will just get a custom in another color. I don't know. I mean,
0: we're only a few weeks out from the Oscars. I'm very worried people are going to dress boring. They always do. I know. This is our point. Um, I also noticed that Valentino is doing their own version of that like Bratz doll Versace heel.
1: Oh, I didn't even notice the shoes.
0: Yeah. I saw one of the detail shots and I noticed that and I was like, oh, okay. So this is going to be a thing for the next few years.
1: There's a lot of shoes that look like doll shoes. Even those Bottega shoes looked vaguely Barbie-esque or something. Right. It's about the shoe being sort of like puffy and molded in a way that feels exaggerated. Uh, which actually, I want to say puffiness is a trend that I'm really enjoying in accessory design and in furniture right now. I'm down for everything to just be pillowy and squishy and fab. You want that puffy lifestyle? Yeah, Time to get into Balenciaga. Sure. Show of the season, which was also the case last season, even though the staging of these two shows couldn't have been more opposite.
0: And it was unintentionally relevant. I mean, this was already pre-designed, the show, for those who haven't seen it. There was a separation of glass between the models and the spectators of the fashion show to make it seem like they were in a snow globe which was going to be his comment about climate change, but then it became a comment about the current refugee crisis, of which Demna is a refugee.
1: Yeah, especially because the models were also carrying trash bags or leather bags made to look like trash bags, which Which of course Kim
0: Kardashian got on Instagram stories and was like, look, I got one of the trash bags.
1: (laughs) Kim also had an incredible look, which we can get into in a second, but... Yeah, what a beautiful show. I mean, terrible conditions for the models, but visually astounding. But it also did remind me of me when I was in college, like walking to the laundromat with a trash <laughs> bag full of laundry, trudging through the snowbanks of Williamsburg.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that you can't see the clothing through you the could snow. See, you could
1: see enough.
0: You could, yeah, you can see what you need to see. Yeah, Louis Vuitton. Oh, a show I thought I would have no notes on, but I have a lot of notes. Oh, did you not like it? Um, I did. I mean, here are my notes. It doesn't seem like you did. A lot of Paula Poundstone suits, extreme peploming, high fashion versions of those smock dresses art teachers would wear are my notes.
1: I will say the middle section did confuse me a bit. I wasn't so into the smocks either, but... I fuck with it, and Louis Vuitton is often hard for me because I can't imagine what real-life woman makes sense in these clothes apart from Charlotte Gainsbourg and Jennifer Connelly. But to me, the show had a bit more range. I think the menswear looks were really strong. There was also some very dikey looks and some very dikey-looking models.
0: This seems to be your scale of whether you like a show or not or whether it pushes it to an A-plus level of how dikey models and or looks are.
1: Yeah, but I think that that's not just because I'm a lesbian, but that's because I genuinely do think that a lot of lesbians like look very cool and that that is like a very underrepresented look in fashion or has been. And I do think that Demna from Balenciaga has been instrumental in ushering in the shift in terms of having more gender nonconforming looking models and a more quote unquote butch vibe being considered aspirational in high fashion I think it's cool and Miu Miu did a very similar thing both Louis Vuitton and Miu Miu showed like dikey like flight leather flight jackets and shit
0: yeah well a very Amelia Earhart aesthetic yeah just to yeah. wrap up Louis Vuitton You know, yeah, we've said that these are clothes... Previously, we've said that these are clothes that only Jennifer Connelly could wear, but now I think that these are clothes only Emma Chamberlain could wear. Like, you need to be thin, rich, and 20 to look good in this shit. I don't know. I disagree.
1: I think it's cool. I'm into it. I think I can imagine the coats and the, the suiting and stuff like that working on older women. But the styling with Louis Vuitton is always bonkers. Yeah. Like, it's just... It's crazy. I wonder how, like, I'm sure a lot of these clothes look relatively normal on the rack. It's just the way that they're presented is very flamboyant and bizarre in a way that's completely
0: specific to this brand. Anyway, Miu Miu. Miu Miu was like, look, we're not done with the micro minis, but since it's fall, we'll give you micro midis and we'll raise you micro shorts, but you can wear them with trenches.
1: And we'll give you men.
0: There was menswear (laughs) in this show for the first time, which was cool. Yeah. Okay. The CFDA or whatever fashion council is going to have to have a conversation since there's a lot of mixing of women and men's in the regular fashion week collection, which I'm happy for, but it's like, are we still doing men's fashion week? What's going on? Are we just going to collapse everything together?
1: Yeah, sure, whatever. I'm into a man here and there in a women's show. I wish they would bring male models back to Chanel, actually. Not because Chanel menswear has ever been good, but because I always found it to be really campy to see, like, the fucked up outfits they would force them to model in. Like, it was
0: full Zoolander shit. And that beautiful boy that Karl Lagerfeld left a portion of his estate to, which we won't dive too deeply into that. Yeah. Anyway, back to Miu Miu.
1: I don't know if I have much to say about it. Again, I I appreciate the menswear looks. I like that they built upon this existing silhouette from last season,
0: even if it was overexposed. They did something different with it, and it was cool. I do feel slightly bad for them because obviously that Mew Mew Micro Mini, as we discussed in a previous episode, got overexposed just two weeks ago, and they have been, you know, making these samples for months.
1: Yeah, but this is a fresh mini.
0: It is a fresh mini, but I've noticed that Prada and Miu Miu are kind of leading the way, which is just not doing wholly different collections season to season, evolving some looks that were present the previous season.
1: Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah, Balenciaga is doing that too. I mean, that's, I think that's a sounder approach to design. Although Prada is one of the few brands that can just do a hard pivot and get away with it. And that's that. Now on to Kardashians. Sure.
0: Card Dash, Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI.
1: So it has to be said
0: that Julia Fox has dominated Fashion Month. I mean, this woman should be betting on stocks because she got in the Kanye relationship at the perfect time. And more importantly, she got out. <laughs> she got out high.
1: <laughs> she got out high, and now she's at a position where really good brands will loan to her and she doesn't need Kanye anymore. Yeah. And I think that people
0: are hating on her because she looks so fabulous and they're jealous. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even get into that interview that she did where she said she lost 15 pounds during the course of her like three week long relationship with Kanye. Yeah, yikes. I'm sure it was stressful.
1: I've been loving following her fashion week evolution. I think it's been really entertaining and cool. Also, Kim. Kim made two pivotal fashion show appearances at Prada. I
0: know. And at Balenciaga. Is she going to start wearing Prada? I would love for her to have more minimalist looks like that.
1: Yeah, but it seems a little weird with her body. It's yes. kind of hard for me to reconcile how that would work. Exclusively in Prada leggings? Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't see that. Her look at
0: Balenciaga was incredible. <laughs> you you saw the video of her walking, right? Which... Uh, she makes little creaky noises. Well, the creaky noises, but also people are like, she can't even walk in that. And I will say that I think she's purposely walking slow. One, because I do think it's constricted. But two... She's walking in a way that she can be photographed in the way that she wants. Sure. You're just seeing it in motion, so it looks fucked. And if
1: there is a time to wear an impractical, uncomfortable outfit, it's a fashion show because fashion shows aren't award shows. You're there for an hour, and then
0: they can cut you out of the uh, bodysuit, which is apparently what they had to do. Well, it's a bodysuit, and then they put tape all over her so yeah I would have actually loved to see a video of like what happens are we cutting you out of this did someone take enough of the tape off to get to the zipper of the body suit? is this in Kim's archive it is she posted on her her
1: Instagram stories that she took
0: it right that it was cut off her and that she took it back to LA so Kanye West released a music video for easy yes a very celebrity death match aesthetic yeah, I never
1: took him as one of those like Edward Gorey, Tim Burton freaks, but
0: apparently he is. I love that the when I was watching the music video, the first comment, the top comment for the music video is, bruh, I just know this shit is going to end up in court one day. And the person commented this because a big narrative of the music video is that he kills Pete Davidson. We don't see the act of the killing, but he is... He's
1: holding his head in one scene and then he apparently like buries him alive or
0: something. Or, or it looks buries like the he's head. Bur- or buries and, the head. And then puts seeds. And I feel like people are not talking enough about this, which is... He puts rose seeds in his head and roses grow out of them and Kanye cuts the roses. But the last shot of the music video, which I've seen no one speak about, is a claymation version of that truck that showed up to Kim's house on Valentine's Day with all the flowers. Yeah. So he's saying that those flowers came from Pete's decapitated head, which... Again, this is such a one-sided feud because it's like, bro, the day before you gave your wife flowers, she was in New York on a dinner date with Pete. It's just dark.
1: It's creepy and not in the way that Kanye is intending, I believe. It just comes
0: off as immature and obsessive and uh, embarrassing, I think. And still no one wants to fight with him. Still, from what sources are saying, Pete Davidson thinks this is funny and isn't engaging, which is only going to make Kanye go crazier.
1: Yeah. Uh, Kanye also has a new girlfriend. Channy Jones. Do we know who she is because I haven't so much as googled a 10 things
0: you didn't know about Chaney Jones so funny you say that because she posted on her own Instagram stories some facts about me no yes (laughs) this is how much we've evolved in social media celebrity culture that now girlfriends of celebrities are like I know that you're you've gone to my Instagram page because you're like who the fuck am I let me just tell you Some facts about me. I am European, French, German, West African, Nigerian, and Guyanan. I am the COO at First State Behavioral Health. Website is in the bio. Wait, what? I am currently getting my master's in counseling, maintaining a 4.0 GPA. No, I have never had surgery on my face. I was born like this. Five, I'm 24-year-old Virgo, born on August 28th from Dover, Delaware. I think this is a little... Too much personal information. And then she posted a story of her backside. She says, I think I'm 20 here. This was before my BBL. So like good on her for admitting she has a BBL. Yeah. Unlike certain Kardashians, allegedly. Uh, Same face, same nose, LOL. I've never been in denial about surgery. And to answer everyone's questions, yes, I had a BBL, but I've always been thick before surgery. All
1: right. All right. It is kind of perfect that Kanye is dating a Kim clone, as there are so many of them to choose from these days. So this will just continue? Yeah, but I'm excited for her to get her makeover, which hasn't happened yet.
0: I mean, she's kind of in line with the current Kanye aesthetic. I mean, she's not in a Balenciaga bodysuit, but she's just in something. No, like... no,
1: she's literally worn Balenciaga bodysuits. It's well, just, there you go. it's not, it's like she was doing this look on her own. She hasn't yeah. gotten like the full Kanye treatment. Like it's bah. still, there is still an aspect of it that's, like, a little bit like that what you ordered versus when it
0: arrives meme. That's so mean. It's true, though. Okay. So you watched the Kanye documentary, which I did not. Would you like to tell me about it? <sighs> yeah, I mean... You sounded like (laughs) Julia Fox there. Would you consider yourself Ye's muse? I mean, yeah, kind of. (laughs) It
1: really is a documentary that requires you to be a fan of Kanye West because it's too long to sit through. Otherwise, you have to really care about his first album for it to be exciting because so much of this takes place before, like pre-fame, because the guy that was making this documentary has been doing it for 10,000 years. You know, met Kanye when when he was just a local Chicago-based rapper before he moved to New York and started
0: producing songs for other artists. Thank God he chose him instead of someone else to start filming for over 15 years. Yeah. So what you're saying is deep cuts only, this documentary.
1: I think so. But its central thesis is a weird combination of like never give up on your dreams and persist despite everything, because that is really what Kanye did. Although Kanye is also a musical genius. So there is that. I don't know if the same can be said for everyone that is pursuing their dreams or has a dream. <laughs> but then the other, the flip side of it is how dangerous ego can be especially when massive overnight worldwide fame enters into the equation because you really see how he changes pre and post fame
0: oh that's interesting i think another netflix documentary i think it's on netflix that delves into this is that jim carrey documentary that he did when he was doing man on the moon and he he convinced universal to do his own epk and it was a documentary of him as andy kaufman famously jim carrey during the making of man on the moon went full method as Andy Kaufman and like tortured Milos Foreman and Universal was like oh we can never publish this because you look like an asshole but he took that footage and then it is juxtaposed with him being interviewed now where he makes the point of like when he made that film is when he realized like oh I got everything I wanted and now I don't know what to do with myself
1: yeah he was able to cash that 10 million dollar (laughs) check but
0: he he even says that he goes I'm the guy that wrote a 10 million dollar check to myself For those who don't know, Jim Carrey famously, when he was at his brokus, living on his car, wrote a $10 million check for himself, put a date, which was like a month before Ace Ventura came out. It's like, it's something crazy like that. But yes, he made $10 million for Dumb and Dumber, Ace Ventura, one of those before the date that he had years before wrote on the check. And then went on Oprah and told that story. And I think you would actually like this documentary. You should watch it, Chell. All right, I will. I like Jim Carrey. I'd like to see him have a comeback. And lastly... Our ladies, the Kardashians, covered Variety Magazine. Yeah. In a promotion for the new Kardashian series. When does that come out again? I think April 14th. So it's uh, a little it's still far. Uh, yeah, it's a little weird that this cover is coming out now. But the the profile of them hits upon the reason that we kind of do this segment, which is that they changed the very nature of what fame and being a celebrity meant. Yes. And we feel that that is worth investigating. Obviously, the quote that has gone around in the last 24 hours is when Kim says, I have the best advice for women in business. Get your fucking ass up and work. It seems like nobody wants to work these days. <laughs> <laughs> this is a high camp moment. Also because right afterwards, Courtney's like, yeah.
1: Yeah, bitch, I feel you. It's like, she's talking about you to your fucking face. And then she, then Chloe goes on to be like, yeah, and if you're the smartest person in the room, you need to go to another room. And I'm pretty sure that at the Poosh meetings... <laughs> Courtney may be the smartest person in the room.
0: So, look, I understand what she is saying, but I also understand the anger that has come from this statement because, you know, those that are born and live into certain financial situations that you can't work your way out of. Yeah. In many respects, because of societal limitations that are super fucked up, like you, there's no working your way out of poverty. Like this is a statement be- made by someone that grew up upper middle class to rich, who's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs have already been taken care of. Yeah. But again, I- <laughs> You're I, like, but points were made. <laughs> From the sense that I think what I took this to mean was that they got themselves out of the mold of what was previously known as reality star fame. And in order to do that, and more importantly, in order to maintain what they have built, it takes a lot of work.
1: Oh, yeah. Kim sleeps like four hours a night. She could have very easily just been an influencer and there are a lot of people that are that want to be her that is their number one aspiration. I think that is who she is really subtweeting with this statement is people that don't necessarily want traditional jobs and just want to be influencers because she is so often seen as that but she's so much more than that.
0: Yeah, and I mean I I could very limitedly but apply this to us which is like even for this, for the podcast, like, we put in work to do this. It's not like we show up and are given uh, questions and stuff. We're not Courtney Kardashian.
1: <laughs> Our editorial standards are low, but they are <laughs> higher than Pusha's. <laughs>
0: but it is a discipline. Look, I was on a plane to Florida. Could I have done work and not watched A League of Their Own? Yes. Kim is on this 12-hour flight back from Italy studying law, okay? She's not like me. She's not re-watching Forrest Gump and sobbing in her plane seat. (laughs) Yeah. Kim is a very
1: hard worker. But yes, this felt very out of touch, condescending, and
0: derived from the Britney Spears song Work Bitch. (laughs) She also gives a variation of that Chloe quote when they were interviewed years ago at Barbara Walters when Chloe was like, I do think it's more work to be, to be yourself. And Kim says in response to those who say she's just famous for being famous, who gives a fuck? She says, we focus on the positive. We work our asses off. If that's what you think, then sorry. We just don't have the energy for that. We don't have to sing or dance or act. We get to live our lives. And hey, we made it. I don't know what to tell you
1: fair yeah fair point but i do think it's interesting because they asked the journalist specifically asked for advice for women in business so theoretically (laughs) these are already people that work because they're in
0: business i mean you know what we could be getting up at 5 a.m doing two workouts (laughs) you know having our, our vegan chef give us our breakfast or three meals a day That is the one. Yeah, it's definitely
1: easier to devote your life to work when you don't have to deal with any life shit.
0: I do think it's odd because it's shown and referenced in interviews they do where, you know, they're given food and, you know, you sort of kind of tangentially see nannies in the background, but there really is no acknowledgement from her of, like, how many out. Yes, she works a lot and does a lot of things and has four children, but the amount of things that she doesn't have to deal with, like, I mean, it sounds silly, but like, make your own bed, make your food, put the dishes away, do housework. Yeah. Break
1: down uh, Amazon boxes. Yeah. Go to the DMV to deal with some stupid bullshit. <laughs> None of that stuff is happening.
0: And also pretty much all their meetings come to them, which is to me the ultimate luxury status. Yeah, she's also not going to
1: airports, waiting in line at security, like all that stuff. Well, she evidently has Kim
0: Air. Oh yeah, she has her private plane is finally done. Congrats, Kim. I need to understand the financial b- breakdown, because allegedly this plane is $90 million. And I'm not saying she doesn't have that, but it's also like, how do you amortize that? How does, I've never understood why, at that level, why buying a plane makes more sense than just renting one. But fine.
1: Because sh- the interiors were designed to her specifications. Also, everyone that flies on Kim Air gets a pair of Skims pajamas. Ooh, yeah, I would die to fly on Kim Air. I
0: know. First we gotta get on that PR list.
1: <laughs> yeah, first I just want
0: I wanna get on the Skim's PR list or even the Poosh PR list. Well we're certainly not getting on the Poosh PR <laughs> list now. All right, anyway, other points in the article was they discussed how the show really pivoted after Kim was robbed in Paris. Right. And they stopped showing so much of their personal lives. And that's when it pivoted to like Chloe and Scott doing pranks on Chris, which I would say was kind of a low point.
1: Yeah, I really hope that that does not enter into the new Hulu show because there were entire, not just entire episodes, but groups of episodes, three episodes in a row that were all filler. And then there's other episodes that are completely stacked and juicy.
0: Well... I guess what makes this show different is they say that it's going to have a slightly higher production value. It's going to be more documentary style and to accommodate everyone's schedule, it's going to be more solo filming. Great. I don't need them all together doing shit. Although, I mean, I think at the very least we do need group gigantic salads at lunch scenes.
1: Yeah, and I definitely still want to see the sisters getting into fights and
0: stuff. I hope so. I mean... So Kim disclosed that Pete is not on the series. However, you will get to see how they met in the beginning of their relationship. Okay, great. And that also before things turned acrimonious in Kim and Kanye's relationship, that West actually filmed scenes of the Hulu series and that he figures into a major arc in the first episode. Amazing. I can't wait. God, I can't believe we have to wait for so long. This sucks. Another month. I know. All right. All right. Let's see if that, uh, if work your ass off is still a popular TikTok sound by the time the show premieres. They really bungled that because they could have had that like right before the show premiered, but fine. I can only imagine what
1: press they have lined up. It's got to be insane. If we're a month out and we're starting with this, where are we ending up? Ellen DeGeneres, baby. <laughs> yeah, Ellen. Oh, there's-, there's definitely an Ellen appearance in Chris Jenner's future.
0: Oh, will they finally get, will Oprah finally acknowledge them? Will we get a, uh, whatever that Apple TV Oprah special oh, interview? God, I wish. That would be incredible. All right, guys, that's it. Do you have anything else to say, Chell? We've
1: covered so much ground, I feel. Oh, I did. <laughs> I did forget to bring up one thing that I thought you'd appreciate during our discussion about Batman, which was... In the middle of the film, Tat leaned over to me and in reference to Batman was like, does everyone know that he's John Wayne? (laughs) And I was like, you mean Bruce Wayne? And she was like, who the fuck is John Wayne? And I was like, I don't have time for this.
0: The Riddler is giving clues.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ted has many things but not not a cinephile, not not into that vibe, but that's fine, you know. We have a lot of other things in common.
0: We love her for it. Yeah, that is the dichotomy when they make films is they cast actors. Like when they cast Val Kilmer, it, it is a man with the most distinctive lips you've ever seen in your life. And like Robert Pattinson has a very distinctive jaw. You would think that, P- you know, Gotham residents would be like, hold on a second. One would think, but
1: no. Anyway, such a fun app. I want to dedicate this app to Luke, our fan. <laughs> That's his name, right? Yes. Luke, like the guy that runs the coffee shop in Gilmore Girls, as you know, Chell. Exactly. You know, maybe this goes out to Luke's wife. Maybe you could call into the hotline next time and tell us more about Luke. He seems like a great guy. <laughs>
0: I feel like we're having some weird fatal attraction thing between you and Luke, Chell. <laughs> I just appreciate the support, you know. I won't be
1: ignored, Luke. <laughs> <sighs> oh. All right, guys. Thank you for listening as always. Luke
0: was like, I just called to be nice. I didn't <laughs> want to be referenced this many times.
1: <laughs> now Luke is like every outfit canon. Luke is the new Isabelle pair.
0: Wow, this straight man has really captured your imagination.
1: <laughs> all right, thanks, Luke, and thanks to all of the other fuckettes for joining us yet again.
0: We hope that this gave you some level of distraction from the harrowing world. And if it didn't, you know, DM us or call the hotline and tell us where we went wrong. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Wait, what if Luke's bi? <laughs> what if I just erased his bisexuality by calling him a straight man? I don't know, Luke, can you call back or can your wife call in? Let us know. Uh, Because I definitely don't want to erase Luke's
1: potential bisexuality.
0: Luke's like, please stop talking about me. (laughs) Do we call all of our male uh, listeners Luke's now? I think that's cute. Yeah, we should all be Luke's. For the Luke's in the
1: audience. (laughs) Anyway, Luke, let us know how you identify. We'll update everyone next week.
0: Luke is filing a restraining order against us. The first restraining order against a podcast. Oh, no. What if Luke's wife's like, I didn't even know you called into this podcast. Why did you call in? Luke's wife is in for a rude awakening. She's like, this is like my seventh favorite podcast. I only listen to them after I've listened to everything else. They're like fine. They're not great, Luke. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't really want to overstate how much I enjoy this podcast. I only hate listening to the episodes about and just like that.
0: <laughs> Ugh. Okay, have, have we unraveled a marriage? <laughs> have we erased a man's sexuality? This has gone so off course. <laughs> We're legit crying.
1: <laughs> Why is it so funny?
0: Okay, we have to stop. We have to stop. Luke isn't funny, okay? (laughs) We take Luke very seriously.
1: I hope Luke knows that this comes from a place of love. (sighs) Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.